You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Hey, everybody, Rick Bassman here live from Maui for a special edition here on Talking Tough. Special edition being the second edition ever of We Win. And We Win is designed to bring on people who have had stage four cancer or do have it that have fought some of the most horrendous battles humanly imaginable, but have either come out the other side or are on the way to do that through you know, not only employing the, the latest medical science and technology and treatment and whatnot, but m- apart from that, or even more so than that, by w- what they do with their thought process, with their emotions, how they adopt an attitude to, uh, you know, to become like a, a true modern day warrior. The, um, the guest that I have on today, his name is Matt Ode, and we'll bring him on in a moment. Uh, he is a important new voice, relatively new voice. People call it the, um, you know, the the cancer counselor community. I'm sure Matt will have a better term in, than uh, than that. But he's a guy who's becoming very well known very quickly as being a guy who really went through the SHIT to an, an unimaginable degree, nearly, and has absolutely come out on the polar opposite side. So we'll get into his story, uh, what he experienced, and. Uh, what his, what his life is like now. Uh, I know when I look at what he's doing online, and we'll talk about his platform where, where you can look at it as well, it's, uh, it's uplifting to me, it's motivating to me, and it makes me want to be better day after day. And uh, that's the message we hope to impart here today. So whether you ha- are battling cancer, have had cancer, or are just in the midst of a complete non-cancer-related challenge that feels like it's just the end, my goal today, I'll be transparent about this with Matt by my side, is to let you know that there's always hope and there's always another chance. So without further ado, special We Win edition of Talking Tough. I'm very glad to welcome Mr. Matthew Ode. Hey, Rick. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. I'm excited to be here today and to really um, share my story. But more importantly, like you said, share my message and experience that I learned with your uh, amazing community as well. So thank awesome. you. Awesome. And I can tell that uh, even though I keep saying you're new at this, you're you're a pro that comes across immediately. <laughs> um, but, but the beauty about that, Matt, because I, I know you've probably seen already, you, you'll find people in this space that are very rehearsed. And what, yeah. what I got from you, and, and that sometimes can be synonymous with being a pro. What I got from you right away online before we even spoke is you're very genuine. And the, the more we talk, the more I see that. So hopefully, Appreciate uh, it. of course, we'll run with that. We'll have some fun. But first of all, how, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? I'm great. You want to know the funny part? I actually I just got um, blood work and x-rays uh, today for potentially, if everything goes well, it'll be four years now officially cancer-free. So I'll know my results by about Thursday or Friday. So if you ever want to talk about anxiety or like nervousness, I'm actually pretty good just because I've worked through the mental and emotional part of cancer. And yes, still I get anxiety and I still have those worries, but today's actually a pretty unique day. So um, yeah, you caught me on a, a good time. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm really, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear we are mentally because you know, in my work that I do with We Win and your work that you do, 
I know we come across a lot of people that, that have more time in remission than you do. We rarely come across people with more time than me because I'm 40 years now. But wow. so somewhere between four years and 40 years, we find a lot of people that can't sleep because of the anxiety. So is it even humanly possible to explain how you've lessened the anxiety about what your, um, what your results are going to be? Yeah, I would say the number one thing is I took the focus off of myself with cancer and I put it towards giving back and helping other people. Now, for the first two years, once you understand my story, it was all taking care of my mental, emotional, and physical health. You have to be able to take care of yourself before you can truly give to others. And once I was able to do that, once I was able to use my faith, my support system, and um, just really working on myself, then I said, listen, how am I going to be bigger than cancer? And what I mean by that is what am I going to do? How am I going to take every single setback that I've had, use it as a lesson, and then help the next person who's going through a similar scenario as me? And that's what really has allowed me to, how I look at it is if you're helping somebody, it's almost impossible to be giving and helping somebody and constantly having anxiety and worrying about yourself at the exact same time. So the more I give back, the more I have created a community with um, Facebook and things like that, it has really allowed me to put my time, energy, and attention towards um, giving and, and really making an impact in that community instead of constantly worrying about myself. And it doesn't happen overnight, I'll tell you that. So, You, you know, uh, Matt, I, I absolutely want to agree with you and say, like, I'm no authority, but I want to say that is the answer, being of service. I completely agree with you. You know, our two producers are on here, John Paz, Rachel Sartoris. They're amazing people. They both had their share of challenges. And on the normal, the usual uh, Talking Tough podcast, we talk about what you can do to get what get out of whatever it is you're in. And I think what we've come to after all this time and all these shows is go out and do something for somebody else. So yes. I think you absolutely have the answer, man. No doubt about Thank it. Thank you. I have a cool acronym for it, actually. It's called HOPE. Help one person every day. And, um, you know, that, I, I love it. So. That's, that's what well, I, use. I hope you haven't trademarked that yet because I'm probably <laughs> going to steal it from you. Oh, good. I learned it from somebody else, so I can't trademark it. <laughs> All right, cool. I love that. That's fantastic. I will okay. use that if you don't mind. But uh, absolutely. But um, so, Matt, what when you were act when your disease was active, what what was your diagnosis initially? Yeah. So um, bringing back a little bit. So I'm 29 now um, and I was 24 when I was diagnosed. It was uh, August of um, 2016. I was a personal trainer, super healthy at the time. Um, and I had back pains throughout the whole summer. And then one night I was over at my girlfriend's house and I just started puking up blood. Get rushed to the emergency room. They do a blood test on me and find out that I had lost two thirds of the blood circulating in my body, which is actually equivalent to being shot with a gun. So immediately I get six bags of blood, get rushed into an emergency surgery to figure out what was causing the bleeding. And they thought it was an ulcer. So the next day I wake up, I'm thinking it's over. I'm thinking, okay, I can go back home now and I'm, I'm ready to just go live you know, the rest of my life. And all of a sudden the doctor walks in and he just has this blank stare in his eyes. And it's just me and my parents at the time. And I just knew right away, like I just knew something was wrong. So he comes over, he sits down with me, grabs my hand and he just looks me in the eyes and he says, Matt, we found an 11 centimeter tumor in your small intestine. Um, we believe it is cancer. We don't know what type it is yet, 
we have to rush you to the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic immediately. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I was at a local hospital, but thank goodness I'm like right on the doorstep of one of the best hospitals in the country. So they take me there within a day, get a bunch of tests done. And that's where they found out that I had the highest stage of testicular cancer. It spread pretty much everywhere except for my brain, thank goodness, but it spreads all other parts of my body as well. And the weird part about it was it, it didn't form in the testicle. It actually, it started there, but it, there was no symptom, which is extremely rare for testicular cancer. So um, I pretty much had all the rarities and it was just a wild journey. I would say emotionally, um, when I found out the news, I remember looking at my parents and, and seeing them crying. And I remember I'm gonna have to share this news to Lauren and I'm gonna have to share this news to my friends and family. And um, the one thing though, the craziest part, and this is where I think faith really comes into play with me. I am Christian, so I mean, teach their own, but I'm going to share my part of this if that's okay with you. Um, you know, it, it really, I had this strength over me. I really had this strength over me. And, um, you know, for me, I started to look at life as everything is happening for me, not to me. And this is what I mean. We are all going to get unexpected news. We're all going to get unfair challenges and setbacks in our life. But it's, it's how you deal with those setbacks. If you want to say, why is life happening to me? You're going to make excuses. You're going to blame other people. And you're going to get absolutely nowhere. But if you change your mindset and say, how is this somehow happening for me? How can I use this as a lesson? How can I grow from this experience? It allows you to look at it at a different perspective and it allows you to, to view it as a challenge and something that you can overcome instead of constantly worrying about it. And I would say that was my biggest thing. And trust me, I had a lot of ups and downs of why is this happening to me? How is this happening for me? But I had to keep that strong mindset. So, so Matt, Matt wow. How, how quickly did you come to that mindset? It sounds like you had it almost immediately. I, I got that you had ups and downs because it's going to go that yeah. way. But how quickly did so, you adopt the mentality you just spoke of? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a it was a up and down journey this whole time. So in the beginning, um, like I said, I really had this big strength over me. And especially as support started flooding in, it, it allowed me to um, focus on what do I need to accomplish today? I think that was the biggest thing that helped me figure that out is stop worrying about the past because it's going to create dep depression and stop worrying about the future because it's going to just create unnecessary anxiety and false stories in my head. So I said, what do I need to do today? So as soon as I was diagnosed with the highest stage of testicular cancer, they immediately put me on chemotherapy. Usually it's you do surgery first, night chemo, but since my tumor was so large at the time, they couldn't operate on it. So they had to put me right into chemotherapy. And all I could think about was, what do I need to do today to get myself forward? And I think that's a lot of us in anything in life. You know, we we look, we try to look too far in the future when it's like be present and focus on what you need to accomplish today. And every single small little brick that you are able to accomplish eventually builds an empire, but it doesn't happen overnight. So, or it can be the opposite where me, I just had to overcome this situation. That is an amazing, amazing frame of mind. It's incredible. And I, I got it loudly and clearly. So I'm probably gonna ask you just to repeat yourself, but I, I wanna frame this as a question. So that are active in their disease, hosting about what's going on. We also look at other sites like cancer supporters, for instance. And I don't know your experience, but it looks to me like it's probably 60 percent, if not a whole lot more than that, of people just going, my life's over. Everything's horrible. This is what I have. I give up. Uh, we know it's a big percentage. So 
those people obviously are not in the frame of mind that you're describing. It doesn't come to them uh, as beautifully, naturally as it came to you. If you have someone like that in front of you right now, oh man, Matt, I'm done. It's over. There's no hope. There's nowhere to go. Everything sucks, so on and so forth. What could you tell them to wake them up? Yeah. Um, first, I want to tell people number one thing is it is okay to not be okay. Like, you know, a lot of the times there is a grieving process or um, you have to like get over that process. But the quicker you can get out of it, is the quicker you can excel and actually figure out where you need to go in life. Because for me, trust me, there was a lot of times where I it took maybe a week or even two weeks that I was just in this depressive state. I didn't want to do chemotherapy. I didn't want to go to my checkups. But once I figured out that this journey isn't about me necessarily, it's about everybody else that loves and cares for me as well. And I'm fighting this battle, not just for myself, and I'm not going to be selfish about this. And I know that my family and my friends need me as well. That's the second that I said, you know what, you know, I'm not going to, I can't be in this negative state all the time. I can't constantly say that I'm going to die or all these things when all of the odds are against me. I'm not doing this just for myself. I'm doing it for the people I love and care about. And eventually, hopefully I can help others. But that, that was just my mindset. And, and yeah, not everybody can, is at that point right now. And that's why I'm saying it's okay to not be okay. But the quicker you can get out of that negative mindset of constantly only worrying about yourself, and then you look at the bigger picture, maybe you have kids, maybe you have a spouse, maybe you have family that is really looking up to you or, or caregivers that you know you know would be devastated if you just gave up on this journey. It's a little different. Gets a little bit more of, hey, I need to put on my hard hat here, be a big boy. And yeah, this is completely unfair. Doctors maybe told me I my chances are slim or X, Y, and Z. But guess what? If I'm still here, I still have a chance. I still have a fighting chance. Okay, yeah. So exactly great. how I'm, I'm going to turn this question this way. And I know neither you nor I probably are qualified nor want to give medical advice. So this question isn't, isn't meant to put in that direction. But we have people, this, this is going to reach a lot of people that, you know, today and, and after today that are that are in the midst of the battle right now. A lot of these people will be stage four. Some, like you, like myself, will have received an uh, end-of-life prognosis with a specific amount of days or weeks or, or months attached to it. Uh, does every single one of those people have a chance still? Does everyone have a chance? I mean... You want my honest opinion? Like, how close are you to God? That's my, I'm, I'm only giving you my perspective. How close are you to God? Because guess what? I've also talked to one of my good friends now. His name is Chuck. He, he had three months left to live by multiple doctors, fell, broke his back while he was going to back to his hometown because he was just ready to die. Gets rushed to an emergency room. They do an emergency surgery on him. He says that he sees Jesus. And the next day they look back and the cancer's gone. It's gone. So you know what? What do I have to say to everybody who's still here? Yes. And how close are you in your faith? And that is my, I'm sorry that it, there's no medical prognosis to a lot of this. That's great. There is uh, a lot more in this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much appreciate what you said. And I, I, I know I kind of put you on the spot with that. You're good. Uh, and I, and I was really hoping that would be your answer because if you said, well, maybe not, oh boy, that backfired. <laughs> All right. No. So I appreciate that was your answer. Now, 
you know, my, myself, I grew up in a Jewish household and I went to Catholic school and then I studied Buddhism. So if you ask me what I am, I still don't know, man. I really don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm more than twice as old as you. So, well, actually not quite. But um, so I may, I may never figure that out. Um, I, I do have, I believe, a, a strong spiritual practice. I don't have I don't even have a name that I ascribe to it, though. And the, the reason I want and I know you're a Christian. A lot of my best friends are Christian. And believe me, I've studied it, hoping that I, that I would have that moment also, um, mm-hmm. that supernatural experience. And, you know, I haven't had that, but I still believe I have strong faith in a power greater than myself. The reason I'm going on and on about this, if there are people out there that are listening right now and just heard the message that you gave, which I thought was a beautiful message, but they don't have Christ necessarily. Uh, what, what can you tell them? Uh, my best advice, honestly, is, you know, especially I can't wait to because I have a lot of stories about God saved my as well. Yeah, if you don't follow Christ, I mean, there's, first off, there's always a chance to still do so, but I'm not forcing you to do anything. All I would say is you still need to, whatever you do have faith in, you better be dang strong in that. And, and always realize that, like, you know, it's a tough question to answer because it's like, I don't go off of medical books. I don't go off of what a doctor, one doctor definitively says one thing and it's like an absolute, you know, yes, I've, I've unfortunately seen people pass away, but at the end of the day, like your, your mindset, it, you'd be absolutely incredible or amazed at how much your body reacts towards your mindset and your heart. So when you think positive thoughts, when you think certain things towards the universe, in your example, and you think like you actually um, think like, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I want to do this. I want to do that. Things. That's how things get manifested. That's how things heal is because you put positivity, you put healing, you put whatever words you need to out into the universe, and then you receive it back. I'm not here to give a medical advice because I'm not a doctor and I don't really know that route. But I do know that obviously. I've seen people miracles and I've lived miracles. I was in a coma for two weeks. Um, I was in, I went into cardiac arrest, the ICU. I mean, I'm going to share all of this with you guys. And, and yet I'm still here today, bigger, better, and stronger than ever. So um, I cannot tell somebody that I don't care where you are in your stage of cancer, that you don't have some glimmer of hopes if you're still here in whatever route you're That's at. great, Matt. You know, it's almost like, uh, I almost feel like I texted you the answer I wanted you to give. Man, that was just that's so perfect. And I and I again I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. I, I think obviously having the right doctors, medical, um, medical care, alternative care, uh, whatever it is, is very important, of course. I also think oh, yeah. that having a good having a good support system is very important. And to me, those are two big factors in coming through it. But I believe you've already held my humble opinion are the two biggest factors to get you through this and being of service to others. You do those in the right direction. I really believe that. And it sounds like we uh, are in a similar place there. hundred uh, percent. And, and just like you said too, with the, the doctors and support system, I would not be here today without my incredible nurses and doctors. And I would not be here today without hundreds of, you know, and thousands of people there for me when I needed them. So absolutely. We're looking at you now, listening to you now. You're, you're very, you present so well. You're strong, you're powerful, you're confident. Um, people out there that are in it, 
might say, well, yeah, look at him, but I, I'm not like that. Um, but if they hear how truly horrific it was for you, the worst of the worst, there's going to be something that's going to resonate in that. So, man, yeah. if you don't mind, take the floor and uh, paint the picture. What happened, man? Absolutely. Of course. So we'll uh, we'll go back then to when I was diagnosed. So I was diagnosed with um, the high stage of testicular cancer, and immediately they put me on what's called BEP. It's bleomycinotopicide and cisplatin, which are very, very strong, potent drugs. And um, I ended up going through five rounds of that. And, you know, for me, um, usually they only put testicular cancer that even the highest stages on four rounds. So I was immediately put on the, high, you know, an extra round to eliminate the tumor, eliminate the rest of the cancer in my body. So, um, you know, throughout that period, uh, I, I mean, I went through all of the things that a normal person would probably go through going through chemotherapy. I lost my, my hair. As you can tell, it's red hair. I lost my hair. I was, I dropped um, about 40 to 50 pounds. I was nauseous and, um, you know, I was nauseous all the time. I couldn't really, um, you know, move a lot because I was so fatigued, uh, right in the dead smack middle of my chemotherapy, my three-year-old puppy passed away from her and completely devastated me. I took him to all his chemo sessions before I was even diagnosed and just, just really madly. And I, that was my first time of why is this happening to me? And it, it really um, put me in a bad spot for about a week. But then immediately, once I figured out that this, I'm doing this for not just myself, but others, I picked my ass up and I just kept pushing forward. So eventually I finished chemotherapy. And then that is where all the main complications in my life occurred. So after chemotherapy, I ended up sitting down with my oncologist and he basically sat down and said, Matt, we have some good news and bad news. The good news is your tumor is shrunk from 11 centimeters to three centimeters. But the bad news is it's wrapped around what's called your inferior vena cava, which is basically a central vein that goes from the bottom of your upper body to your heart. We're going to have to do an 11 hour surgery with four different surgeons involved. And we don't know the complications that are going to entail. It's called an RPL and D surgery, but it was a very advanced one, which is, I don't know the full length of it, but usually with testicular cancer patients, that's like a big surgery you usually get when you have the higher stages. So they go in, they do the 11 hour surgery. When I came out, so I was telling you, I lost about 40 to 50 pounds, about 140 pounds going in. I was an 80, 185 pound personal trainer before. Coming out of that surgery, they cut me open hip to hip. I was close to 200 pounds. Couldn't move, knew something was dead wrong, but the doctor said that the swelling should eventually drain from my stomach. Two weeks goes by, I'm out of the hospital, and all of a sudden, my draining that's supposed to, coming out of the, the stomach just stops, just like that. Within minutes, I'm rushed back to the emergency room, where they ended up having to put me on the emergency table, drain seven liters of fluid out of my stomach, causing me to go into complete kidney and liver failure. I had a cone drilled inside of my head to relieve brain swelling. I had a catheter in my chest. I had a catheter in my neck because they thought I was going to be on dialysis the rest of my life. And that's where I fell into a two-week non-induced coma. And right then and there, long story short, I'll share some really powerful stories along the way. But long story short, I ended up being in the ICU for over 40 days. One week out of my coma... Uh, they go to take out one of the catheters in my neck because they see I'm doing, I'm, I'm making some progress. They just taken the breathing tube out of me. They have an air rhythm. I end up having an air rhythm heartbeat. I go into cardiac arrest. They have to do eight minutes of CPR of me. And I'm back into another one week 
now um, induced coma. Once I wake up, it's now Valentine's Day. I've been in the ICU for you know four weeks now, and I have to completely relearn to walk and relive my entire life again. And from laying in my bed to just sitting up took about three to five days with just like four nurses. Same thing sitting to standing and standing to taking my very first steps took about almost a two week process just to get out of my bed to walking again. After that, I'm already four surgeries in because of all the fluid that had drained from my stomach. I'm ready to get wheeled out. I'm out of the ICU. I'm ready to get wheeled out to like one of my final stages of physical therapy and they wanna get me going home. As I'm getting wheeled out in my bed, my stitches pop open, my spleen sticking out of my stomach and I get rushed into a fifth major surgery. They end up having to do what's called an open wound surgery where they ended up having to, basically they couldn't close my skin back up so I had to leave a football sized mesh over my stomach and I was back in the ICU room. This part was where I really feel like my life changed. At this point, I, I, if I wasn't in rock bottom back then, I knew I was now. And I remember looking up, I had a breathing tube in my mouth, I had my hands tied to the bed because they didn't want me touching the wound. And for two days, they didn't even know I was awake. Two days, they didn't even know I was awake. So I got really close with my faith, prayed a lot and said, I have two choices here. I can either give up on my life now, or I can say the I am in the rock bottom and the only place I can go is up. And they got me up pretty much two days later. I walked further than I ever did previous to any of the other days in the ICU room. I was out of the ICU in three to four days. I was into my final stage of physical therapy. And within 53 days in the hospital, I was finally released. And at this point in time, I was 110 pounds and it wasn't like rainbows and butterflies. I, I was skin and bone and had to completely relearn to live my entire life from the emotional, mental, and physical state. And that took me two years to do that. And it was, you know, the first two weeks, I started to give up on myself because I didn't have the nurses. I didn't have the doctors. I didn't have the accountability that I usually had. And guess what? I fell off. I got my, you know, one day I woke up. Um, my temperature was 104 degrees. My heart rate, standing heart rate was 150 beats a minute. And my blood pressure was through the roof. I get rushed back to the emergency room. I'm in there for three to five days to get me under control. And then I get out and me and Lauren, my girlfriend, had this discussion. And she basically, we both came to the conclusion that if I do not start taking care of myself, I will not be here a month from now. I will not be here X amount of days from now. So that's kind of been the whole part of this journey. And like I said, I had to relearn to live my entire life emotionally, mentally, and physically. Again, it took two years just for me to focus on myself. But for the first three, I would say first two to three weeks, I let myself go, didn't have the accountability of nurses and doctors. And I ended up getting rushed back to the emergency room because I had a standing heart rate of 150 beats a minute. My blood pressure was through the roof. My temperature was 104 degrees. And I came out and me and Lauren, my girlfriend, end up having a life-changing discussion. And we came to the conclusion that if I stop, if, if I don't start focusing on what I need to do to better myself, I will not be here next month or in four months from now. And I took a complete 180. And I said, you know what? What is one thing I can do today to better myself and get to where I need to be? And all I did was I literally, Rick, all I did was I picked up a five-pound dumbbell. I picked up a five pound dumbbell and I started doing bicep curls. Next day, I walked 25 meters instead of 20 meters. This is for anybody on a health journey. 
If you think that you're stuck and you don't know where to go, I'm going to tell you right now, I know you can get there. It ain't going to happen mm-hmm. overnight, though, because I, every little day I had to focus on one thing I could do. I didn't say, oh, I want everything now. If you want instant gratification now, give up because you're never going to just get instant gratification. Rick? You're no. freezing. Matt, I'm getting you 95% plus. I don't know what's going on. Uh, let's let's continue. You keep freezing I, on your I think end. we're good. So, Matt, what are you doing these days? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after kind of going along with my story, um, like I was saying, it, it did take me about two I would say it took me about two years to really, really regain myself. And then after that, um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. If you've gone through a difficult situation in your life, a challenging moment in your life, you feel like you've been given a second chance or you feel like you have this bigger purpose or vision. You aren't just the same exact person you were when you um, went through that difficult situation in your life. And for me, Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I had a bigger purpose and a bigger mission in my life. So um, it was really unique because instead of surrounding myself with actual cancer um, support groups, I decided to surround myself with actual entrepreneurs. And here's why. What an entrepreneur does is they take a difficult situation, they take a problem, They solve it and they use it to help other people. So I started getting in business masterminds. I started getting in groups like um, that were really focused on bigger dreams and um, helping a lot of people in life. And as I started to share my story, people would kind of just be like, oh, my gosh, like you need to get that out more. So I think we're getting Rick back in here. Rick. I was just letting you guys know I was backstage, but I've been listening. Go ahead. Rachel, John, oh, thank you're good. you for okay. taking over. You guys are amazing. No, Please continue. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Okay. We'll keep rolling here. So, so yeah, so I started getting in, in mastermind, started getting in groups and they're like, listen, you need to get your story out there. You need to become a speaker or something. And at first I was that kid in high school when they give me a, a speaking opportunity, I'd be shaken for two weeks and I'd get up there and I'd be like, I don't know what to do. But as I started sharing my story, I had this strength over me. And I figured like, listen, once again, this isn't about me. This is about helping the next person who's going through a difficult situation in their life. So I stopped putting all this pressure. I was like, listen, I got to stop putting so much pressure off myself and, and focus on a bigger, bigger plan, a bigger mission in my life. So I started to get on stages. I started to share my story. And, um, you know, I started that about... Uh, midway through 2019 and then six months, you know, in um, COVID hit and obviously took a wrench into the speaking opportunity. So I said, Hey, listen, how do I take a little bit of a 180? How do I monetize this and go a different direction? So I started to say, Hey, listen, who is it that really needs my help right now that I could maybe coach or I could mentor? So I started mentoring other survivors, other young adult survivors who felt that they felt a little lost after cancer. They felt like they didn't have anybody to relate to them. And it doesn't have to be cancer necessarily. It can be anything that, you know, you go through this experience and it's like you come out on the other end and your friends and family are trying to help you, but they can't relate to the actual situation. And you have all of this like, um, uh, just questions of like, what what is next? I have this purpose. I have this thing in me. So I started to coach them through that. I started to help them through that side of um, their journey with cancer. And it was absolutely incredible. And then I said, hey, listen, I need to make this into a bigger thing. I can't just coach one or two or three people. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to create a Facebook group and I'm going to build a massive community for this exact purpose to help people stop letting cancer define them, regain control of their life and have a bigger purpose and impact in the world. And it doesn't have to be what I'm doing. It could be a better father. It could be a better mother. It could be just a better person in your small local community, whatever you want to do with your life, but not letting cancer define you anymore. And I started building this group in October of 2020. Didn't know how I was going to go. I was so nervous. It took me about two to three months to even have the courage to build this group. I finally did so. And today, now February of 2021, we now have 2,000 members in the group, all survivors, patients, and caregivers. And the amount of love, the amount of support, and the amount of um, just like drive to be a better version of themselves is absolutely incredible. And that's really my entire mission right now is how do I build this massive community to help them through these struggles and not let that situation, it's okay, we're all gonna have grieving processes, we're all gonna have struggles and downfalls, but that's what this community is about, is to uplift you and say, listen, I'm gonna get you out of that situation as quickly as possible and help you move in the right direction. And that's what I've been doing as a mentor. I, I, my group is unique because a lot of cancer community Facebook groups are amazing. They are, don't get me wrong, but, um, and they have a lot of support, but I don't know if there's any that have a true like mentor, a true mentor. And that's my objective with this is listen, I, I come on out of everybody's posts. Um, I make sure I follow and I interact with the community as best as I can. And that's what I want to do so that I can give back for what so many people have given me. So that's kind of been my mission the past, um, year and a half now. And, um, you know, a lot of faith, a lot of courage, a lot of taking that first step forward and, um, going and embracing the unknown. I'll say that to end this, this conversation real quick to, to embrace the unknown is so, so important. The reason why I truly think so many people don't break certain barriers in their life is because they're too afraid of what either the outcome could be, or they don't know what the outcome is. So they don't even want to go and try it. But when you say, hey, listen, I'm going to try this anyways, like me starting my Facebook group, me getting in front of entrepreneurs, me doing X, Y, and Zs, people, opportunities, things just magically start to appear in your life. And you'll be absolutely amazed at what you can accomplish and at where you can go with your life. Now, Matt, can anybody join your group or is there um, is there a prerequisite? So with my group, it's caregiver survivors and patients. So if you've been impacted in cancer, impacted by cancer in some capacity or some way, um, as a caregiver, as a survivor, or you are currently going through it, you can go into the group. But if you're not in, if cancer has not um, affected you right now, then stay tuned because I'm probably going to be creating something that's going to be a lot more bigger and a lot more broad. But right now I want to focus on my niche and expand it from there. Um, just because I don't want to put too many things on my plate right now. So, um, yeah, if you've been impacted by cancer, please, please, please join the group. Um, I can even put the link in the chat for anybody who's watching too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll ask you for the link because we'll put it in, we'll put it in the crawl as well. Uh, I, awesome. I, I don't know if you heard my question or not. You answered it regardless about who can join, who should join all, all that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and real, and there you go. Living Hope Cancer Foundation, by the way, and um, I think your group is awesome, man. I love what you're doing with it. It's it's everything you. you just said it is. And I would encourage anybody that is touched in any way by cancer to join Matt's group. 
and you saw it up on the screen. We'll have it up here again. Uh, what's um? So you're. I, I love your strategy. It's it's very smart. Uh, it's seemingly very linear. What can we look? Uh, what can we look for from you in the future? Is, is there a podcast coming? Is there a book coming? Uh, what what's the future think- look like? My biggest, uh, well, I'll tell you my absolute end goal of everything in a little bit, but just I would absolutely love to um, start building certain retreats. I think that would be super powerful. And obviously, with COVID, it's been a little challenging with that. So I might start being virtual retreats at first and then getting into more um, in-person retreats because I think it's just like when you have a group of people all in one and you're able to help them through certain things and they can connect and they can meet and they like when you're in person and you meet somebody that's similar to you there's nothing like it and a one-on-one in-person interaction is absolutely incredible so that would be my number one goal is within the next year i want to build a retreat and have um you know a huge community of people kind of come in and be able to be um have guest speakers have um, workshops, things like that, where we really dive deep into certain areas of their parts of their journey and really help them through that. Because at the end of the day, without action, without taking action, you're never gonna be able to accomplish what you need to do. So a lot of the times, and what I like to call it is imperfect action. Now, imperfect action is taking action without constantly worrying what that outcome might be or where you're heading, because then, you don't have to delay. Remember, your time and your energy is your most valuable currency in life. And if you're constantly worrying and constantly debating what you should do next and where I should go, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your precious energy that you could be doing by just taking that chance. So that's why I want to build retreats. That's why I want to get people in front of one another and build even more of a family. Um, in addition to Rick, I actually last year was um, going to host a race. And it was a charity race for, um, you know, basically all proceeds were going to um, Almond Cancer Fund, which is a young adult uh, cancer organization. And a really cool story behind that, Rick, is um, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I was going through chemotherapy and I lost all my red hair. You know, as you can tell, it's pretty, pretty red. And I, the one thing I kept on was this dirty, dirty mustache. And everybody was like, they knew it wasn't great, but it was the only, only piece of hair I had left on me, man. So I was like, I'm keeping this thing. Mm-hmm. So all of my friends decided to support me and they all grew mustaches with me. All of the dads, all of my friends throughout my whole chemotherapy. So when I finished chemo, my dad said, Hey, listen, Matt, we're going to host an event. It, it was really close to Thanksgiving when I finished chemotherapy. We're going to host an event and we're going to get a bunch of people to come to your event on Thanksgiving morning because our, our city does what's called a turkey trot. And it's just thousands of people run this 5K race. And we're like, we're going to get people to come to it. If they want to run the race after, awesome. We'll get free t-shirts out. What now? We are like 50 people might come at most like 100. We had over 400 people on Thanksgiving morning in 32 degree weather at 7 a.m. show up to this thing just to support me through cancer. And all the guys who were running mustaches, girls had fake mustaches on. We gave out these green vibrant t-shirts and every single year now, this was just an incredible, it it was so amazing to see the support that I had because I didn't even know 200 of those 400 people. And uh, we ended up calling the event Mustaches for Matt. And um, 
So the pat the next two years, we did the exact same event. We'd get hundreds of people to come to it. And that's when 2020 hit and said, listen, instead of it just being an event and then they go running a 5k, let's create my own race. Let's go do my own thing. And unfortunately COVID hit one month before I was about to do this race. So that is another big goal of mine, Rick, is to really build this race out um, either this year or whenever COVID restrictions are done so that I can have this race and really use it for um, a good uh, purpose. And, you know, those are my two, um, I would say micro, um, you know, short-term goals that I want to do within the next year. Other great powerful goals that on retreat. Where do I sign up, man? I'm gonna I'm gonna be your first enrollee when that day comes. Love, Love it. it. I will make sure to send you the link 100 percent I want to ask you some seemingly innocuous small detail questions for others out there that have uh, shared similar experiences to you and I. So you mentioned that you went in uh, for blood work just recently. How is, uh, there's nothing to do with our story, nothing to do with the bigger picture, just small little detail mm -hmm. stuff. How is it drawing blood for me these days? Is it easy? Is it a challenge? How, how does that go for you? It's actually a challenge for me because um, when I went through chemotherapy, they decided, so here's my port, uh, this side. So here's my port. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's gone now, but I still have a little scar tissue. But for the first four rounds of chemotherapy, they decided to go through my arms because I was very fit. I had great veins. And I'm like, we're just going to do this. Fourth round hits. I'm sitting in a wheelchair. It's my last, like, um, like last, like, uh, chemo cocktail that they're doing for the week. And they go to prick me and they miss five times. I literally was like this close to passing out. So they said, okay, we're, we're done. We aren't going to try anymore. My college just comes in and says, listen, like we got to get you a port, um, and whatnot. So that was a lifesaver for a while. But then once the port came out, there's another challenge because my veins still have not fully healed. So it usually takes about two or three tries to figure it out. So I get like this a little nauseous still and a little bit, honestly, like that's the part that I get worried about the most, which is crazy. You know, most people like, I hope cancer doesn't come back and all this, but for me, it's, it's going to get pricked because I, I know they're not going to hit it my first time today. They, it was three tries, took three tries. So Man, um, Matt, that, that was like my greatest source of anxiety for, I, I can't tell you how long in the three years my disease was active, I know what I'm calculating. Here's, it's roughly a thousand days. I think that three years of time, I was stuck about Now, that's between the blood draw, between trying to get a vein and anything and everything else that they're doing. And it took a long, long time, many years before they could draw blood from me again. Stuck in the neck and the arms and the feet and anywhere you could hopefully try to find a vein. But you know what it turned for me? And, and I was thinking about this when you we were talking about how important the mental state is before. I had an experience today that actually reminded me of something to share with you people that are feeling and listening. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I guess like on the um, stuff, we're still on the topic of the the arms. Yeah, there's certain veins that have came back well for me now. Um, it takes time. You have to be patient. And the biggest thing I would tell people if they are worried about like getting pricked and stuff like that is drink a ton of water. Um, make sure you're extremely hydrated mm -hmm. the day before. And um, for me, um, if I a little trick they always used to do when I when I was having tough time finding the vein, they, I'd ask for a heat pack. 
and they put a heat pack right where they think there's veins and they keep it on there and it would make it way, way different. So if you're having a tough time, those are two little tricks that I've always done. Um, obviously when they put the bands around you too, and they make it really tight, that helps, but the heat pack and drinking a ton of water the day before really helps with the veins, um, popping out and me lifting, you would think like, um, they'd be coming back, but with chemo in, in, um, in cancer that it, it really hits it hard. So you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, that's such good advice. And you're right about the bands, but no, if, if, here, I'll answer your question. Thank you for letting me know. Did chemo affect my vision at all? Um, no, Rick, these yeah. are, these are just, I like wearing these, these aren't even actual like glasses. So no, it did. I, I have 20, 20 vision. I'm actually very lucky. I love wearing these glasses. It just makes me look a little better, but, um, <laughs> So no, um, I got very lucky. Chemo did not affect my vision whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I've always been very well with, with that. And I, I guess that's one thing I can really be lucky about. But one thing chemo did really affect me with was my nerves. So my fingertips and my feet, a lot of nerve damage. And the one thing it, it hit hard on, so I had this drug called bleomycin it really affects your lungs. So it hits your lungs super hard. So I can never go like, skydiving or I can't go scuba diving or anything like that. So anything with a lot of pressure in, um, in, in the lung area, um, I just can't do. So that's the biggest thing. And it's hard for me now for when, um, I go for runs, if I'm doing like, a, a um, challenging cardio exercises, I do lose breath a lot quicker because I mean, I used to be a cross country runner and before all this, and then obviously I got, I got into lifting and then I had cancer. But I was in really good shape cardio-wise, really good shape strength-wise. And then now um, the strength part's not too difficult for me. But the cardio aspect of it is mainly because I'm still just trying to regain the strength in my in my lungs and, and going from there. So that would be my biggest uh, effects that I had on chemotherapy. Yeah, but I'm sure you have no doubt that you will regain that strength in your lungs, right? I'm doing my absolute best. Yes. And, and you know what, this is what I would tell people like, um, don't ever put limitations on yourself because I've already broken a lot of limitations doctors thought I'd have on me and I've yep. broken through them. So my next step is you want to know my biggest next step is to run the entire 5k that I host this year. And that would be a huge accomplishment for me because right now running a mile is challenging. I, I think I could do it if I really, really put my mind to it. But if I train for this, I know for a fact, um, I could get myself to doing a 5k and that'd be an awesome accomplishment right now for me. So, um, I have little to no doubt that you will do that. And little just left town, man. Um, if it, uh, if, if, if it helps, it's pretty roughly 70% of both of my lungs removed. So, you know, I have essentially theoretically about 30% total lung capacity and, 15 years after my final surgery, I ran a 26.2 mile marathon. I didn't run it fast, mind you, but I was able to get through wow. the whole thing. Um, what I was going to start saying today with the ophthalmologist is the chemo had an effect on my vision. Now, I'm 59 years old now. My vision today was 2020. I was shocked, man. The Living Hope Cancer Foundation that you saw in there was um, from my friend Chuck and Hannah. Uh, so they're actually part of my cancer community group. Um, got it. Great. I'm, yeah. Good. They, I love it that they promote it because I actually already, I already or Chuck, if you're so watching this, I I mentioned you already today. So good. Promote oh, that because they fantastic. are incredible. I'll talk a little bit about them real quick because they are 
two of the most amazing people I met. Um, Chuck is a stage four survivor and Hannah is going through stage four breast cancer and they are absolutely incredible people. So that Living Hope Cancer Foundation, I'm gonna promote them because I know how amazing they really are and how much they are giving to the community. So that, that please go check them out. But for myself, um, my cancer community group is on Facebook. It's, uh, it's called um, Cancer Survivor or Patient Survivor um, Cancer Community, Taking Back Your Life from Cancer, 100%. And the cool part about this group, it's for all ages. Um, I originally started as young adults and I realized really quickly that um, cancer does not discriminate and it um, it really hits all ages. And I think the wisdom that we can bring from as young adults to the older generation and the wisdom the older generation can bring to the young adults is invaluable. So, um, you know, it's just, I, I, I made this group for everybody who's been impacted by cancer in all different age groups. So um, I'm copying the link to this group here too. Um, paste. Perfect. And awesome. So here are my two groups um and i'd be happy to um you know have you guys in group or if you ever want to connect as like a, a speaking engagement or anything like that i'd be happy to do so through my website as well that's fantastic and matt we'll make sure we'll make sure that we take the responsibility to insert those links into the edited version also so no no worries Perfect. about that thank you well, i appreciate thank it thanks rick i appreciate everything i appreciate your time today and um you know, hopefully we can connect again soon. Thanks again. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.